Hello, this is Jimmy Thorpe for Breathe Upon Waking. Thank you for listening. For this episode today, I am in this beautiful shop in Portsmouth, New Hampshire called The Shop by Brass and Pine at 695 Islington Street. Islington? Islington. Islington, oops. Close enough. And I am here today with the owner, Pamela Hodgkins. Pam? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming all the way over here and for having me on the podcast. I'm excited. This is great. I'm going to turn and face you a little bit because I don't okay. feel I should be like looking out the window when I'm talking to you. That's okay. You've got all your notes to refer to. Yes. So I have really admired all the work that you've been doing and the pace that you're keeping, you know, just by watching on social media. Yeah. Um, how are you keeping this pace? How am I keeping this pace? It's just the pace that I know. <laughs> I guess it's just, um, I think my dad works at this pace all the time, my whole life. And I think that's where I get it from. Um, you know, as soon as I feel like I'm settling down with something, I'm like, I gotta start something else. It's kind of like a sickness almost. <laughs> I wish that I could just, you know, breathe and, and live in the moment, but I feel like I've got so many ideas and so many plans that I just can't stop right yet because I'm, I'm young, I don't have kids, so I don't really have anything holding me back um, besides the three dogs um, right now. So I'm like, why don't I just go get it? Um, and then when those things come, um, maybe I'll take a step back and slow down. Mm -hmm. Does physical health play a role in like your ability to keep going all the time? And Physical, mental, I mean, it's really, you know, there's been a couple of moments of a mental breakdown, I think, um, where I'm just so stressed to the max. I've put so much on my plate. Um, and then, you know, the physical health, I just, you know, I took, I used to be a workoutaholic for, you know, most of my life. And I didn't work out for about eight months last year and because I was doing some pretty vigorous labor intensive work. Um, so, but even that break with the gym, I feel like it really, it made my mental health decline a little bit. So I recently got back into that in the beginning of December and I'm going in the mornings um, so that I can make sure I get it done every day because it's like my therapy. So. Um, I know I'm doing physical labor every day and I probably don't need it, but it's for my mental health. I go, um, pretty much every day. Totally agree. Yeah. Is there anything else in your morning that you feel is particular? Anything like a routine? Yeah. Anything that you feel is like different than other people or something that like sets you off on a really good path for the day. My breakfast, I eat the same thing every day. It's kind of <laughs> disgusting that I don't get sick of it, but probably for the last three years, every morning, um, you know, I do my workout, I get home, I have my coffee, um, and I have my avocado toast with turkey and scrambled eggs, salt and pepper, and a little olive oil. And if that is how I start my day, I'm, a good, I'm good for a while. Because there's days where, you know, I go right through lunch and I'm looking at the clock at three o'clock and I haven't eaten lunch. Um, but it gets me, you know, past, I'm not saying that I like doing that. It's just mm -hmm. the way my day happens sometimes. So that sets me up for the whole day, um, feeling full and energized and makes me happy. So is it, if you, if you work out that morning, is it just water and all through the workout? Yes. Like nothing before? No. Cool. Not yet. I, I do want to get into like some protein shakes and stuff like that. Um, I think now that I have the shop and I've got a little more consistency in my day, um, that I'll probably be incorporating something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, because sometimes I wonder when you're, when you're doing the early morning workouts, mm -hmm. part of it is like having a little bit of energy to get you going through. I'm like, sometimes I feel fatigued halfway oh, through the workout. Yeah. I'm like, I wish I ate something or... See, I'm the opposite. I'm like, if I have an empty stomach and I yeah. basically just go through half the workout and I'm real, my body doesn't even know where it is mm -hmm. until halfway through. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I work out really hard when I'm there. I, I'm all business and, um, you know, I do a boot camp. So if somebody's thinking of the exercise for me. I can't think about my exercise. I have to yeah. be told do this, do that. Um, and then, you know, it's the one time you know, throughout my day that I get somebody else to tell me what to do. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's cool. awesome. I like it. Someone else told me they work out 
on an empty stomach and it's working out hungry and it creates more hunger like in their workout so that I could see yeah a part of that well the thing is with me I don't know if it's like kind of like a maybe a, um, something I should talk to my doctor about but when I work out in the afternoon I just feel like oh I feel like oh there's my lunch it's coming back and like mm-hmm. oh, it's just like very hard and to to get through a workout when I and plus I'm just like not looking forward to it all day sure so I don't give myself a chance to think about it or react in the morning. It just works for me. That's smart. Less decisions, especially the amount of decisions that you're making through your day. So yes, good yes. idea. So can you tell me a little bit about this shop that we're in? Mm-hmm. We're in the shop by Brass and Pine. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, February 5th will be my first year, my first full year in business. It'll be my anniversary of being out on my own. Um, and I've been really hands-on up until um, recently. Um, I t- took a step back after my lap- last project, I kind of evaluated you know, where I want my business to go in t- 2019 and you know, how did I want to see it change and where could I grow? Um, and I came to the realization that I needed to get an office space. You know, I've got my um, significant other works from home. We have three dogs. It's a small house and it's just complete chaos all the time. So mm-hmm. I couldn't really get into my creative headspace at home. Um, plus I didn't have my own space. We shared an office. And so it was just, it was a little too much. Um, so I said, I want to get an office space, but I want it to be somewhere where I can get creative and um, in the zone. And you know, I knew that what I wanted to kind of get was kind of unachievable financially for me. So I was like, okay, well, how can I make this work? And I was thinking and thinking, I'm like, well, what if I opened up a little like showroom? That's kind of how I came up with this store concept was, why don't I open up a showroom and showcase all of these local makers and artists that I already um, use myself, I refer my friends and family to, why don't I give them an opportunity to showcase some of their work in Portsmouth? And then we all kind of take this leap together with a little less of a financial burden. Um, so that's kind of how it worked. And here we are. And it's like, if you told me last year or like even in October that I'd be opening a retail store, I would have said you're crazy mm-hmm. because, but that's just the way my life goes. It turns and it twists by the week and that's what's so exciting about what I do and kind of my personality is that I just go with it and I'm just let my life go in the direction it needs to go and I really have no idea where I'll be next year like it's totally unknown and it's kind of cool a lot of people would think it's scary but for some reason I thrive on it I don't know why Hmm. I'm like a creature of change I love change Mm -hmm. people are people are like they they like they like habits i like change yeah yeah well i think it has a feel of progress to it too when you're constantly changing if you're constantly mm-hmm. doing the same thing all the time true. you don't feel that you're making progress through the world you know yeah that's very true it's a good way to look at it so i love that it brings all the local creators together and encourages like some more local shopping mm-hmm. uh, what has your experience been as a curator and what has it been like working with these local producers it's been really fun. I mean, everybody's so um, just grateful to be in the space and grateful for the opportunity um, that I believe in them. But also, like, I'm so grateful for them. Like, I'm grateful for them to want to be a part of this journey and to want to be a part of this space and for believing in me that I'm going to be able to bring people into this shop and drive business for them. Um, you know, and I think everybody's been super, because I am a you know, I'm very meticulous and um, I like things the way I like them and everybody has been super receptive to kind of my aesthetic that I want to have here um, because I want us to tell the same story. Um, I know everybody has their own brand and I appreciate that and I value their brands individually, but I wanted us to be able to be a cohesive shop. So, you know, nobody has like a section in here. Everybody is incorporated with everybody else and it really, really works. Um, and the fun thing is that this shop is going to change always because everything is for sale in this shop. Even my desk, 
Even this? Even the light fixtures. <laughs> if you want the light fixtures, you can have them. Um, that is what you know. I love about this space is that we're making it whatever we want it to be. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wants something from here, then you know, take it away and we'll fill it with something different. And that way, every time you come into this store, you're coming into a new experience. And it's energy and it's fun and it's different and i've already re-merchandised it but we haven't even moved a lot of product yet Mm -hmm. but i re-merchandise it just because i want to see it change all the time because Mm -hmm. i want to be excited about the space so i think that we can all improve you know every day and it's just tweaking little things here and there about ourselves within and like with this with the actual shop um and it's just making it feel a little bit better Hmm. yeah so being able to like let go of even your desk and the fact that you said you enjoy change and mm-hmm. progress, I mean, that that does sound scary to me, you know? <laughs> know. Um, like someone could come in here right now and you wouldn't have a desk. So what do you think mm-hmm. that says about yourself that you're willing to let go so much? And, and what does that provide you other than that feeling of progress? Or Well, I think that... You know, and don't think that I don't have a plan for when this goes. Sure. <laughs> so um, I do have, you know, a lot of makers working, you know, kind of every day on a new product and new merchandise to bring into the shop. So I know we'll always, you know, if the desk sells, I'll call my wood maker and I'll be like, okay, I'm ready for that farmhouse table. <laughs> you know, so um, I think, what does it say about me? I don't know. What does it say about somebody? I just think that... Um, I have no idea. I have no well, idea how to I, I answer that I think it does question. speak to your ability, to, your, your willingness to grow and, mm-hmm. and to move on and not hold on to the past. I yeah. think that could be part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm like searching deep here, but who yeah. knows? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's also like, I love to like kind of shed and change and I love, I'm a purger. Like I love purging clothes. Mm-hmm. And like I move so much. Like, this house that I live in now, I've lived in for a year and a half. I don't think I've lived in a place for a year and a half, the same place for a year and a half since I was 18. Oh my gosh. How stressful does that sound? <laughs> yes. But that's just me. Like I, I'm constantly just um, looking to, maybe I'm trying to find myself. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I found myself. I just like change. and. Sure. I just always am switching up my house decor and here comes something, I'm moving it upstairs, you know, can't find anything because I'm constantly moving it around, but I just love it. It's just like a, it just gives me like a new life almost. I need to take a page from your book because I always feel that like nothing's changing in my house, my living room. And and it always feels good when you do make a change, even if you just move the furniture around. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. All right. I gotta. Get on it. I'll take some notes. All right. So I put down some words when I was preparing this interview um, that I feel that your design and your work uh, made me think of. Okay. And I'm not a professional. Um, so, <laughs> it's okay. But this is what I came up with. Neither am I. <laughs> I am not trained. All right. So I have bright, bohemian, airy, wanderlust, upbeat, white, free, natural, delicate, function, patterns, inviting, and hopeful. I like those. And I also noticed that your fashion is closely related to a lot of those descriptions too. Oh. Now, it is said that we can't choose what we like just as we can't choose like who we're attracted to, but that we are drawn to certain people and perhaps like a certain aesthetic somewhat organically. Yep. So would you say that you seek out particular designs and patterns and aesthetics or do you feel more drawn to them in that in that organic sense absolutely I feel and it's so funny that you said that it kind of mimics the fashion sense that I have because I started my whole like career out of college in fashion and so I worked for Ralph Lauren for a while and I jumped to a couple of other um, fashion icons and you know moved around whatever Um, so Fast forward, I have no idea what's cool in fashion right now. Like, I have no clue. I'm just like, I like that. I think it looks good on me, and I'll wear that. But it's more of like, now I know, like, what tile I like and what flooring I like, what paint colors do I like. Um, So 
for me, I think that, I guess, yeah, I think that the, what I'm drawn to in um, interiors is very similar to kind of, you know, the look and feel, I guess, of, you know, who I am too, mm -hmm. as a person, I guess. Cool. Yeah. What is your absolute favorite item right now? It could be something that you have in the shop. It could be something in your house or it could be something that you want, like like a decor item. Oh my gosh. Can you think of one? My favorite decor item right now. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I just love this store. Okay. Like everything in the store for some reason. And I'm not saying it because, because we've just... For the last couple of months, we've been sourcing things and, you know, all of the people involved here have been, you know, putting things, you know, sending me text messages. Does this work? Does this work? Da, da, da. And I'm like, you guys are doing such an amazing job of like really, really understanding where I want to go with this shop. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible. Um, but there's paintings here that I am just so drawn to and I want in my home. Mm -hmm. Like these mirrors. Oh, I am cool. so obsessed with these mirrors. <laughs> like they are so beautiful. I just... I got a picture of them before they were in the shop, and I'm like, oh, yeah, those are nice. They came in, and I was like, wow, those are massive. Those are just such a statement. I mean, even this little hanging chair. Um, so I'm really drawn to this shop right now um, because I want people to be able to come in here and, you know, pluck something really cool and unique and put it in their house. Cool. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the process of uh, working with these local artists? Did do you go to where they are and say, I want that for the shop? Do they bring you a bunch of things and you choose? Or do they just deliver one item and say, here you go? You know, how does that work? So a couple of artists, um, well, I have a friend that does, um, she knits and she does like knitwear hats and stuff in Brooklyn. She's from Portsmouth originally. Um, she lives in um, Brooklyn now, but she does knitting. But, but, and she's done a couple of macrame pieces. And I was like, I really want. Say that word again. Macrame. What is that? That is, um, <laughs> I'm not the artist. I don't know how to answer <laughs> okay, that. Okay, sorry. Um, but it's like rope that is kind of knotted and intertwined. I mean, it brings you back to the 60s and the 70s. Is it thick? Does it have a thick, thicker it's look? It's a thicker than... rope, yes. Okay. Um, you can take a couple pictures. It's like, that's oh, mine yeah, yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, all of our parents probably had it growing up. If you were in the 80s, your parents had a piece of macrame in their house. Okay. And you wish that they still had it because now it's back, <laughs> right. of course. Um, but she does really cool, unique pieces um, that are kind of newer and forward trending. Um, and that's the thing, like most of, um, you know, everybody that I work with in this shop, I'm like, let's think about like the next thing that somebody doesn't have. Mm -hmm. Like my photographer is printing her um, prints on metal. Because oh, nice. I'm like, that is so cool. I don't see that anywhere. Let's do that. I mean, granted, I'm not looking for prints, you know, typically, but mm -hmm. I haven't personally seen that. So... I thought that would be cool to have in the shop. It goes really with this aesthetic. Um, and then a lot of the artwork that's in here is very like light and it's got a little bit of color. Um, very ocean inspired, very seacoast inspired, um, sunrises, sunsets. Um, so I really, really like that. I think it's just beautiful artwork. Um, and then everything else is kind of you know, my furniture maker or refinisher, she has always done um, you know, farmhouse, you know, modern farmhouse. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, there are some pieces that I like from that time period and, you know, that modern trend right now. But I also like the mid-century Scandinavian, like mm -hmm. very boho chic. And she's, this is a whole new um, world for her. So she's just, oh. you know, constantly communicating with me. Would this work? Do you like this? And I'm like, I love it, you know, and she'll go and she'll refinish it and make it just something really cool. So, cool. yeah, so we're all learning. Of, there's a lot of communication between yes. you and the artist to see what would fit best here. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, if someone was to ask you for some quick advice on how to make their home feel like this mm -hmm. or in your, in your aesthetic, what, what would you say to them? In my aesthetic? Um, well, I think I would just, you know, and I think everybody, you know, make it personal. So don't just buy something to fill a space that you're not in love with. You know, and sometimes it takes time and sometimes it takes months. But, you know, it, when you're done and you've really filled that space with really cool, very unique, very different items that really speak to you, 
you stand back and you look at that room and you really appreciate what it is and where everything has come from. And that's when it really, really tells a story for you. Um, because when you feel good about your space, that's when others will ask about your space. Where did you get this piece? Where did you get that piece? This is so cool. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're so proud to say like, you know, and I love home goods, but you're so proud to be like, well, I found it at this place, this antique shop or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I went here and got this piece and there's a whole story behind it and it's so much different and it gives you a sense of pride about your space. Yeah, I, f I find that when things have a story, it, it definitely makes a difference yeah. in the space. Absolutely. What about if you have like no money? Do no. you have any, yeah. or, or like, you know, you don't, you can't spend a lot on your home decor. Do you have any tips of... Well, I think that Facebook Marketplace is a great place. People, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Mm -hmm. And if you're a little crafty, I mean, you can take like, I mean, sometimes there's things listed on there for free. Take it, put a little elbow grease into it mm -hmm. and make it your own. And you can make it whatever color you want. You can put whatever hardware you want on it. You can really personalize and be like, I did that. You know, so um, my sister's a great example of that. She's got four kids, not that they don't have money, but they're just trying to, you know, make, you know, cognizant choices of what they spend their money on. But she also wants to do really special, unique pieces. Mm -hmm. So she's starting to build her furniture for her house. I mean, with four kids. I don't know how she finds the time, but <laughs> I guess it runs in our family. <laughs> yep. um, but she started building things and she's, you know, and, and YouTube is a huge resource right now of like just figuring out how to strip off paint off of a door. Sure. So, I mean, you can really put your, you know, if you have time, mm -hmm. you've got time to make your house look nice because you can get things for really cheap, do the work on them yourself and make them your own special mm -hmm. artwork. Yeah, I guess if you're, if you work a little bit on the piece, you're going to, there's going to be more to that story. Right. So, yeah. Very cool. So you mentioned working a job before, you know, moving into full uh, self-employment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I remember you working that job. I thought it was so cool because it seemed like you patiently waited. Like you knew you had a dream and you had a lot of ideas, but you patiently kind of waited that out mm -hmm. and, and were smart about the transition. You made a really effective transition. Mm -hmm. um, what was that like and what has it been like becoming... An entrepreneur solely it's so stressful <laughs> it's so stressful it's like you don't know how you're gonna make money next month but with that being said you know I made sure that you know in the job that I had I was lining things up as I was still in that job and learning a little bit more about home renovations and talking to a couple of investors that had an interest in working with me um, and making sure that I set up a couple of ducks in a row before I made that uh, leap was very, very important, especially owning two houses. Um, I had two mortgages. It's not cheap in this area. So I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to fall on my face. So I just, and that's when you just grind. And I think with somebody like me, like failure is just not in my vocabulary. Like I will not fail. If I fail, so I'll take that back a little bit. So maybe my plan doesn't go according to like the way I thought it was going to, but in that, you know, process, if it needs to change, I'll change it and I'll adapt to the change and make it a different plan or a different goal. But there's the last thing I'll do is fail. So for me, and that's like, I recently was asked a question of, you know, how would you inspire other people that would like to, you know, make this jump? And I said, you got to believe in yourself. And you got to be ready to work. Like, I worked seven days a week for a very long time until the holidays. I took some time to just kind of relax and really assess, like, where I was going to take 2019. And that's when I came up with this idea. Of, like, I rested probably for, like, three weeks. And then I was like, okay, now I want to buy this. Like, I want to do this store, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And, and then it made it happen. But um, it's just kind of my personality. I just can't really stop. But you do need to break and you need to regroup, regroup. And, um, you know, for me, it's just been kind of a grind, you know, you just still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know where this was going to bring me to here in the last year. And I don't know where next year is going to bring me. Mm -hmm. I have a plan. I have some goals, but are those going to be the ones at the end of the year? I don't know. 
but you're willing to kind of shift those goals a little bit here and there yeah you have to and that's how you're going to be successful is being able to adapt to it's also about what your clientele is telling you like where is it taking you you know because i never thought i was going to be designing um you know houses for clients but the demand was there and i was like well i would be a fool to say no to these because i want to do flips and the market's changing and like, why wouldn't I just do that in the middle of flips and kind of grow my business a little differently? Like, mm-hmm. so it just kind of, I just listen to the people and that's how I'm here now. That's great. Yeah. I love that, uh, you know, with all the grinding that is necessary and the, and the really hard work and the dirt under the fingernails, it, it was the downtime, um, where you did a little bit of soul searching. Mm. It seems that you, that you found, you know, a different path that you wanted to take so it kind of speaks to uh, the necessity of, of balance you yes. know of working really hard but then yeah. when you when your body's calling for it you know take some time off yeah balance is tough I'm still trying to remind myself every day balance 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 <laughs> cool it's really hard when you're an entrepreneur though because we just you know we have to feed the machine you know and we've got to keep grinding but we do have to make time, and I think that you know, I'm trying to at least take one day to unplug it a week, mm-hmm. like completely no phone. Like, I'm trying not to respond to people on that day, and just really be present with my relationship and my dogs, and just like myself, just take a break. Smart. Yeah. yeah. Now you mentioned your. I think you mentioned your dad was an entrepreneur. Um, were both of your parents, and and are they still? And how have they been? influential in in your knowledge in this field i grew up with all entrepreneurs basically my grandfather was an entrepreneur um my parents my mom raised us kids while my dad um had a car and home stereo store way before best buy he had it on main street in concord where we grew up and um you know he souped up all the cars and Made everybody had their subwoofers and all, had the first navigation system in town and all that jazz. So he worked a ton. I mean, that's retail hours and he grinded it out. But we, you know, he was supporting a family of four at the time before my brother came along. And then when my brother came along, he's 10 years younger than me. My mom, I think she felt like, okay, well, the other two are grown. It's not as, you know, they're not as dependent on me. Let me try to make something for myself. She never went to college. Um, My dad only went for a year um, before starting his business. And so my mom started real estate. And this was a long time before everybody's mother, brother, sister, aunt, nephew, neighbor was a realtor. And she crushed it. I mean, she just came out running. She is very well-spoken. She's a people person. She's very, you know, coaching, you know, coaching people through that home buying process. And so just seeing like both of them and growing up with two really, really strong-willed parents, um, I think it's always instilled that in all of us. And uh, my dad, you know, when he was in retail, he'd come home and he would, build a deck that surrounded, that customized and went around like our hot tub. And he would build, you know, things all the time and fix things. And he's like, I'm not paying anybody to do that. I'll figure it out, you know, kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. And um, so seeing that, never really being like, oh, dad, can I do that with you? Like, just like being aware and be, being appreciative of him doing it himself after he's worked retail hours all week and he's working all weekend on the house. So um, just, that sense of like pride and work ethic, I think really came off on us Mm. a lot. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I'm really interested in parenting and, and trying to like identify the moments, um, for children where basically where the rubber meets the road Mm. and where the parents are having that conversation or where there is a transfer of knowledge or, or a lesson. Can you remember times when your parents might have like sat you down and said, all right, let me tell you some things about business or something like that. Or was it more just like instilled and like you said, kind of watching and picking little things up along the way? I'm sure it was a balance of both, but Mm -hmm. can you speak to any of that? Yeah, I think for me it was, um, I kind of watched a lot. You know, I was 
kind of as an adolescent, I was kind of on my own, doing my own things, and my siblings were younger, and I, you know, I was, I loved my family. I was very appreciative for the family that we have, and my extended family as well. Uh, we're a very close family, and so I always watched from afar, but I did go through some adolescent times where I was very removed from the house, so the, those conversations really never happened until later on in life where, you know, I bought my first house and when I, you know, honestly, like when I first bought my first house, my parents were like, are you sure you want to buy a house and like settle down somewhere? And I'm like, yes, I'm ready. And they're like, really? I'm like, yes. And then my dad was over the house like every weekend helping me with projects just to teach me and learn like, like hands-on projects. Mm -hmm. And so it was really huge that he stepped up. That's, that's just how they always have been. You know, they don't, you know, throw a bunch of money at the problem. They come and they give you their time. They give you their energy and they give you, the, they teach you skills. Um, so for me as a parent in the future that I hope to be, that's how I will teach my kids. It's just hands-on, let's do it together. And I think that it's really, really important, especially nowadays where kids are, you know, so focused on, you know, the FaceTime on the, you know, electronics and everything just to get them back to like our time when we were growing up and there was, wasn't all that mm -hmm. building forts outside or tree houses or whatever it may be. Um, you know, that's what I hope to instill in my kids because it really helped me in life, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I think, I don't think there really is like a perfect tactic for parenting or I mean, I haven't found one no. that works for transferring those lessons down. But I've, I think one word that kind of represents you know, my best effort at it is, is presence. Mm -hmm. And I think you kind of touched on that with your parents, you know, when, when you need help or when you need support or something, they're there, they're oh, present. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think just that general awareness, that general presence and effort within parents can make a, a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. I thank them every day for just being there, even through the hard times mm -hmm. when I didn't seem like I was really receptive to them. I always knew that they were there and you know, I always knew that it's going to come back around because mm -hmm. it was really rough in high school. I was just, <laughs> I was not a very good, you know, teenager, but I came around and now we're closer than ever. I mean, they're the, I would call them my best friends. We talk, you know, every day, if not every other day. So we're very, very close. Very cool. Yeah. We've all had those uh, high school moments. I know. Uh, so we're in Portsmouth, New Hampshire right now. You grew up in Concord. Yes. And, and now you live uh, over near the seacoast. Can you talk a little bit about Concord as a town, you know, what it means to you or what, you know, how you see it, and then talk some about Portsmouth and, and what you love about this place? Sure. Yeah, and I, I loved growing up in Concord. We moved a little bit, which is so funny because that's just what I took on too later <laughs> in life. But, um, you know, the friends I made um, throughout, you know, high school and middle school and how they kind of changed and formed because we moved quite a bit so my friends kind of changed from school to school but um i really love concord it was such a great town to be to grow up in my parents kind of grew up in later in life um there as well um i think they both were um born and raised in their adolescence kind of out, outside of concord but moved there in like middle school um, so they both went to Concord High, and they both graduated from Concord High. So it's kind of like, it's cool to just see it grow and develop. I mean, our high school just kind of grew as we were attending it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and then, you know, of course, I moved around. I lived in New York City, uh, North Carolina, Boston, and, you know, I always had an appreciation for New Hampshire. I just love the people here. I think... Um, it's just like kind of a slower pace, but still, you know, people are hustling here and I love the seacoast. I just love being by the water. So I think that's why um, Portsmouth really spoke to kind of where I really wanted to like settle down and finish the rest of my life is probably mm -hmm. here. But you never know with me because yeah. that week. could change. <laughs> I'll be on an island opening like an Airbnb bed of breakfast or something. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It could happen. What about the marketplace of the two towns? Could, you know... Could you see yourself having a shop like this in Concord? Would it not work? Or do you feel... You know, I think that it works better out here because 
um, you know, the clientele that kind of will be drawn to this. And it's funny because the first, um, I had two different couples come in on Saturday. Um, it was my first Saturday open at the shop. And one of them was, you know, probably older than my parents. And then one of them, one of the couples was younger than me. And I was like, how cool yeah. is that people of that age range difference are being drawn to this shop for different reasons and different pieces. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the same piece. So it really is cool because I love how, you know, the younger um, generation is kind of taking an eclectic um, admiration to that mid-century modern. I mean, that's what our parents loved. You know, that's what they knew. So, and now those, you know, that generation I feel like is kind of twisting to it's like a modern farmhouse type of vibe. So it's really interesting. I'm learning a lot. I mean, this is my first like home decor store, so I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, <laughs> I'm just winging it, really. And I'm hoping that people love it. I think every time somebody comes in here, they feel like they're walking into somebody's living room, um, which is nice and cozy and stuff. So I love that people are getting that vibe from this space. And I love that it's talking to different generations of, of people. So I have no idea where it's going to go, but... I don't really know that, like, I don't know the clientele in Concord. I don't really know if they'd be as receptive to kind of like my boho chic style that I have going on. And plus, like, my job, you know, the renovation side of Brass and Pine needs to be in this area. You know, I really love right. working on the seacoast. And that's really, like, that's my number one job is, you know, Brass and Pine Homes and Design. And this store is... Definitely very important to me, but it's, you know, it's just a way for me to have a space to, you know, how, like house people that, you know, are creative and, and talented um, while having an office space to work out of too. So well, that's a really good transition because I was going to ask you, you know, you have this store here, but you're still doing renovations for clients. Yes. Um, and are you still flipping your own houses or, and can you talk about, you know, where you are in the, in those processes? Yeah. So I think back in November when I finished up my last job, um, it was a full renovation for a high school friend. Um, her and her boyfriend were having a baby and it was kind of crunch time. We finished a little early for them. We have a couple more phases over there, but the main floor in the, the biggest phase is over with. Um, and after that, I needed a little bit of break. Every time I do a project, I need a few weeks to kind of recover because as a general contractor, which is what my role was or has been, um, it's very demanding. And I think it might be the way I'm managing it makes it so demanding, but I'm very hands-on. I'm very involved. I'm sl slinging sledgehammers. I'm br busting down walls. I am carrying dump to the dumpster. And I think that it has gained me a lot of respect with the people that I work with because I am a woman in this industry of predominant men. You know, let's just remember that because they're just looking at me like, well, you're going to keep going? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't have time to wait, you know? like, And I think I impress some of them sometimes, which is good. And I want them in my corner and I want them to know that I don't think I'm any better than them. We're all on the same team. We're all after the same goal. So I think that's why it's been so demanding is because I've been wanting to be really present with my team. Um, so when I took a break in November, I kind of thought of like how I wanted to grow this business. And in order to grow my business, I wanted to take a step back and um, from general contracting and manage a few general contractors on different projects. So that's kind of where my role is taking me in this new year is that I'm partnering with local general contractors and their teams to manage um, projects that I am sourcing and finding through my contacts and people that want me to help with their design work. So I'll be doing design and implementation in that respect and then working and being a liaison for those homeowners and the general contractors. So that's kind of why I need an office space because, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays were closed. So I'll be on site checking the jobs out and then on, you know, Wednesday through Saturday, I'll be at the store. Yeah. So that, that sounds like it must take a lot a lot of listening, like you mentioned before, and a lot of good communication between you and the contractor. Yeah, I think it's a communication. I think it's respect. It's all about respect in this um, industry, I find, because as soon as you, you know, I've lost respect for some people in this industry because they just, 
haven't followed through on their word or they have changed the scope and it's just kind of kind of crazy how some people work but having respect and of my you know team and having them respect me is extremely important to me and it requires a lot of communication a lot of follow through follow up you know just pay them on time mm -hmm. pay them as soon as they send you an invoice <laughs> that's what i've learned i'm like i want to pay my guys as quick as i can because they're all supporting families all of my my guys and my subcontractors are Family men, they show up every day at the job. I can depend on them. I can rely on them. They might be pricier than Joe down the street, but I don't know if Joe's going to show up today. I know my team's going. I know they're going to stay. They're going to work through lunch, and then they're going to leave at 4 o'clock so they can be with their families. So, yeah. Nice. I love that you're still uh, you know, getting your hands dirty and, and swinging the, the sledgehammers. Yeah. Can you think of a time when you were kind of knee deep in a, in a job, you might've been there alone and, and, you know, all dirty and thinking that you're over budget and you're running out of time and, and just feeling that it's like, this isn't going to work. And can you think of a time that that happened? Yeah. I mean, the pretty much every job. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. So what do you what do to put I yourself doing? together when you're in that situation? What's your mindset? Well, you can't it cry out? about it. I mean, that's not going to solve anything. So, um, yeah, there's been sleepless nights, like I said, where you're over budget. I'm crunching numbers, and I'm like, all right, how can I trim something else? And what can I do better to you know move this process along? How can I source more hands to help me with um, getting the finished work done? Um, it, it's just really every day is... A different day and that might be why I'm so attracted to this job is because you just never know how your day is gonna be mm -hmm. and some may find that extremely stressful I'm just kind of like okay we have a plan if it doesn't happen we work around that plan um, and we do something else and um, it has so far worked out really well just you got to be able to roll with the punches because this is all about you're dodging punches every day in this job um, and if you can't do that, then you're not cut out for this job. I love that you mentioned sourcing hands and, mm. and actually accepting help because you seem like the type that you're going to do it yourself, but there must be a balance of when in need being able to accept or, or actually source hands. Like you yeah. said. I mean, there's no, there's no I in team ever because I feel like it's all about teamwork. It is teamwork when I start my day in the morning, who's going to manage the dogs? You know, my other half, you got the dogs today. Thank you so much for being here. And, you know, like making dinner when I get home, like, and then it's, you know, managing me, managing, um, the job. And I can't do that alone. Like I just, I can't, and I will never tell myself I can because that's stupid. I mean, it's just pure stupidity. If I could tell myself like you can do this today all by yourself. No. Just, you know, pay somebody and get done twice as much as you could have done by yourself today. How about that? And then, you know, it's just, you know, even here in the shop, like I can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have this store without all of the people that are involved in this shop. And so we're all dreaming together. We all want to, you know, work together. We're all kind of, you know, coaching each other and kind of, you know, making this place what it is. And so, you know, nowhere in my life am I like, doing it myself because I, I just couldn't I couldn't nicely said I think it comes back to that respect that you were talking about mm -hmm. with with the other communicating with the other people and having respect for them yeah yeah absolutely cool what's a part of reno that you really despise <sighs> inspections <laughs> <laughs> there's always something <laughs> it's probably inspection time I just for some reason the inspector does not like me <laughs> I don't know why. I try to win him over Does all the time. Does it seem like time, he's, he's searching out things to... I think he's... <laughs> I, 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 honestly, he's a good guy. And when we have a good day, we get along great. And I think he's really just, in a way, fathering or mentoring me and trying to teach me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like um, tough love almost. So I respect him for that. But sometimes I'm like, can you just be a little nicer to me, please? I just had a tough week and you're just not helping. But I do think that he is looking out for me, to be honest. So 
other than that, what do I Yeah, hate? what about like um, getting your hand, like actually actual work? Like for me, I can't uh, tape and mud sheetrock. I hate that. But yeah. I, I can do a lot of things. I just hate that. Well, is, there, is there something like that that you... Yeah, I hate, I mean, I hate tiling, but I can do it. I thought you loved tiling. Oh, you yeah. like it when it's done. <laughs> I like looking back and being like, I did that. But it is a pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, I really hate ripping up old carpets. Uh. They're so disgusting and smelly. Um, yeah, I think, and then I hate telling my investors or my clients about a really, really bad surprise. Mm. Mold, asbestos. Yeah. We're going to need to rip off the roof and replace the roof. It's like, those are just not the unexpected things. I can handle them for my personal properties, but telling it to a homeowner or an investor where it's like, oh, here's all that budget. We're going to put it on this thing that you can't see mm-hmm. at all. Like maybe it's a new boiler or a new ba- like a hot water tank or something. Mm-hmm. And you can't even really see that. But, and that's the tough thing that I hate doing. Bringing the others in. Yeah. Bringing yeah. the news to the others. Yep. Um, if you're looking for a house to flip, what do you look for? So for me, it's all about location. Um, and after renovation value, um, what could I sell this property today? Cause the market changes. So you can't predict the future and anybody that says that they can is a liar because you can't, um, this market has been very, very successful through 2008, through the crash. It has always been on a positive up swing and realtors in this area might disagree with me when I say this, but we have definitely taken, taken a little bit of a plateau to this market right now. Um, I know because I've watched this, I mean, I'm not a realtor, so I can't say that I'm like fully embedded into that, but I watch every single day houses that are listing, going under contract, stuff that are taking price cuts, things that are listed and um, have been listed for a while. Um, I'm very aware of, you know, the, the um, inventory in this area. Sure. So when I look for a flip, I, you know, I think about, you know, the renovation costs that it would take to get it to, you know, where I need it to be um, and the length of time and the time of year is extremely important when you're flipping a house because um, as I found out, you know, last year and I was already really scared when we went into the flip um, listing in January, uh, July, right before 4th of July week is a terrible time to list your house because everybody's in vacation mode, nobody's looking at the house, and then your house hasn't gone, like, it hasn't gotten any activity in the first week. And that first week is extremely important when you're listing a house. That activity you get and the showings are very important. It kind of tells you, is the house um, priced right? Is it overpriced? Is it underpriced? You know, it tells you a lot. So, um, you know, listing in the summer, it's not my favorite time of year. <laughs> and I won't flip a house that will list in the summer probably ever again, if I can help it. Unless it's a really good opportunity. Also, you know, you just have to look for trends in the market in the area that you're, you know, flipping the house because, you know, after you pass a certain price point, things stay on, you know, the market a little longer typically. When they're underneath a certain price point in a certain area, you can almost guarantee that they're going to be, you know, really quick sales because it's under a really, really sweet price point and, you know, people, it's achievable for people. And that price point in this area is under 400000 Okay. Yeah. So once you go over that 400000 mark, that's when, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a, you've got to be, the inventory has got to be just so, so mm-hmm. that you're, you know, not competing with too many other houses. It's mm-hmm. tough. It's so a gambling. It's, it's, it's more listening to the market and, and how do you, you know, yep. how do you tune? Is it looking at a lot of what's selling and what they're selling for? And, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Paying attention. Yeah. Time on the market, days on the market, um, you know, recently sold, you know, what recently sold for this square footage, this amount of bedrooms, bathrooms, do they have a backyard? Is it fenced in? Is it on a double yellow line road? There's so many things. Wow. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought your answer was, I was just guessing what your answer would be to, you know, what a house needs to be flipped. And I thought it would be potential. 
but that was just my silly guess. But one of the, one of the, like a sad thing to me is unrealized potential in people. It's like one of the saddest things that yeah. that I that I see. But I could also see that you know as we're talking about this is unrealized potential in houses or even in like a room per se. And mm-hmm. I I feel like a lot of what you do is maximizing the potential of a house or a room. Yes. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. Um, So the first thing I do when I go into any renovation project, whether it's a flip, whether it's a client renovation, whether it's my personal renovation, is functionality of the space. How can can we create the most function for this space? Um, And that is what I love. The beginning of a project is my favorite part because I have so many things going through my brain of like how to change the space. (laughs) and make it more functional Mm -hmm. uh, for a family that's going to be looking at it or a family that's going to be living in it. Um, So um, for that, I do, you know, you know, different design work for that. And then for unused space, like, like you were saying, um, like a room's potential, that's just undervalued, you know, and I've worked with a couple of clients that have done room redesigns for, and it's always that room, like on the right, in a house that's got, you know, a living room in the back and a kitchen in the back. And then there's like this weird room in the front. It's like either a catch-all room or it's that living room nobody sits in. And it's just like, oh yeah, there's that room we never go in. Mm-hmm. And so I try to help people like make that into a very welcoming room that they want to be in and they want to use and they want to show off. Um, because it's usually the one that everybody's like, I just don't know what to do with this room. And I'm like, you're not the only one. It's mm-hmm. everybody. So, so yeah, I think, yeah, finding the potential within each space of a house. Um, you know, my last renovation project I did for a client, they wanted to add a bathroom. And the footprint did not allow for another bathroom. Like, I couldn't shave a little bit from two rooms next to each other to make a bathroom. It was not going to happen. So, I noticed when I walked through the first time, they had a pretty deep garage. And I was like... Can I measure your car? <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, can I measure the length of your car? I want to see if you have enough space to take a, like a little portion of this garage and we can add a full bathroom in here. Oh, wow. And she was like, oh my God, I never thought of that. And I'm like, that's why I'm here. That's right. Yeah. Because I see the things that are like, you just don't kind of think about sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. It seems like a lot of trying and innovation that you're doing you know you do have a plan Mm -hmm. but a lot of things like you said you're winging it you're trying things seeing what sticks yeah I'm not I'm definitely not trained but it's like you know I know what I like when I see it and I know like every house I go into every apartment I any I've ever been in I'm always and I've never noticed it until recently like I'm always like creating this new space and it's very strange because until recently, until I got into this this whole renovation stuff, um, like almost three years ago in, Ju- in June was when I purchased my first house. Um, I never knew I was doing it until I actually stepped in t- to look for my own house. And I'm like, wow. okay, how can I make this different? Ba, 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 ba. And I'm like, wait a second, I do this all the time. What is wrong well, with When you're me? at like a friend's house, do you say like, what if, did you ever think of trying this and do you offend them? <laughs> Um, I don't do that because I don't want to offend anybody, but I I often get friends that pick my brain when I'm at their house. Cool. Yeah. What do you think if we do this? What do you think if I do this? And I'm like, that sounds good, but what about this? You know? And then when the dialogue is open and then I can be like, well, did you ever think of this? That's your end. Yes. Cool. And I'm like, you invited me into this conversation (laughs) and here's my answer. Um, so I guess. You know what you what you're doing seems at a very simplistic level is to make things look nice make a house look nice but you know families are spending time in these places every day and and using these these spaces that that you help to create so you must feel really really good about that and i was kind of wondering what have you thought more about like the deeper meaning to it um, I think that, um, I do think about that because, you know, I, when it really comes home to me is when somebody has seen the space previously and they see it redone and their reaction to it, it's so cool. 
Because my first flip that I did last year, like from start to finish with an investor, it was in a, it was in a small neighborhood. Well, kind of a big, small neighborhood, I guess, in Portsmouth. And of course, all the neighbors were just, you know, they've been there for years. Everybody's nosy. The people that lived in that house before were there for 40 years. I mean, they had put AstroTurf on the front yard because he didn't want to mow the grass. Like this guy, it was like, um, she was a smoker, smoked in the house. And so people had been in this house before. They knew the neighbors, you know, everything. So after it was done and we did the open house, we had so many neighbors come in. Oh my gosh, it looks so different. Like they're just seeing their faces light up and them knowing where it was and where it went was like the biggest reward to me is really because those are the people that really appreciate how far it's come you mm -hmm. know the people that you know see it through the process or you know people that see it online that I post you know mm -hmm. try to keep people in the raw reality of house flipping and renovation worlds um, I don't sugarcoat anything I don't post all pretty pictures because it's not what it's about mm -hmm. um, it's late nights it's dirty fingernails like you said it's like back breaking work and mm -hmm. so I like to show the reality of what I do um, but no I think that you know getting those reactions of people in the after and of course it's ready so I'm like I'm proud of it I'm like I worked freaking hard for this so yeah. I'm glad that you like it great, great yeah I think it's cool that and you know you can I think a little bit goes a long way in trying to improve your space you know mm -hmm. um, where you can think of these grand ideas of how you want to be better, but you know, putting a small piece like this or a piece with a story into your home, mm -hmm. trying to make it a little bit better can really go a long way. Yeah, even like a can of paint. Even a can of paint will change the entire feeling of a room and a space. Putting an accent wall of you know shiplap or reclaimed wood or whatever you want to do. They're doing so many different, really cool, unique things just to make an accent feature wall. Uh, we used to paint them. Mm -hmm. I always hated that. But, and I'm sorry to have a painted wall accent, but I just, for some reason, I just always really couldn't stand that. But I love the feature walls. I'm a big fan of wallpaper. Um, I know people are like, gasp. It's a, it's a pain in the butt to remove, I'll tell you that. But um, I do love wallpaper. It's fun. It's just like, you know, putting like a piece of jewelry on a room almost. You want to think of it that way. This is a perfect segue oh, into my okay. next segment because I created a game for you to play. Oh gosh. It's called I'm sweating already. It's called Trash Attic Living Room. And I give you three items. Okay. Are, are you ready? Sure. Grandfather clock, chandelier, modern painting. Trash attic living room. Okay. Chandelier living room. Modern art. And a grandfather clock. Um, modern art. Could go so many different ways. I would put that, I guess, in the attic and I would throw out the clock. That's what I would go for. Big screen TV, oriental rug, leather recliner. Ooh, 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 ooh. I think the leather recliner attic, oriental rug, living room. Trash the TV. Yes, very smart. <laughs> Wallpaper, shiplap, and tile. This is going to be hard. This is impossible. <laughs> you have to. This is not even an impossible question. Wallpaper, shiplap, tile. Okay. Um, wallpaper, living room. Obviously, because tile doesn't go into a living room. Mm. Tile, attic. Save it for it the bathroom. It could be a fireplace in the living room. <laughs> and I'll trash shiplap. I'm, always, oh. I'm on to the next thing anyway. Uh, okay, yep. cool. All right, this game is either or. You just have to choose one. Are you ready? Yeah. Light stain or dark stain? Light stain. Cabinets painted or natural? Natural. Quartz or granite? Quartz. Brass or pine? Brass. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> All right, well, that's a show. That's it? Yeah, you did Oh, awesome. my God, I survived. Thank you Thank you so much. You're a really much. good sport. Um, I didn't have any of these questions. <laughs> no, you didn't tell no. the audience that I was not prepared <laughs> with any not. of these questions. These are right off the hip. You did awesome. 
Thanks. Um, where can people find you? You're you're everywhere on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, my Instagram is um, my renovations and design is Brass and Pine. Brass, B-R-A-S-S-A-N-D-P-I-N-E. And then the shop by Brass and Pine is actually um, Brass and Pine Shop. So just add shop on the end of Brass and Pine. I'm on Facebook. I've got Facebook pages for both two. Um, and I'm at 695 Islington Street in Portsmouth. Um, Wednesday through Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. for now. Um, our grand opening will be later in February, so I'll be announcing all that and sharing all that information on all of the social media stuff. Very cool. Yeah, I recommend people get over here and check out the shop and uh, hook up with Pam somehow, watch what she's doing on all the social media. Um, really admire what you're doing, so thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Breathe Upon Waking. Uh, the next time you wake up, don't forget to breathe. Breathe.